Hello! I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Season 5, Part 3 of what was supposed to be Episode 5 of the Massive Fans Book Club Podcast. I feel like we've said it a hundred times, and it's because Kim and I actually have said it a hundred times, because this is like, what, like our seventh or eighth time recording this intro alone? Uh, Yeah. Technology is not our friend. Uh, But thank you for sticking with us. We hate that this chunk got like split into so many little parts, but we're glad we've made it through with it. And you've been there with us and we're here now. And I mean, we're here now. That's pretty much all we can say is we're here now. (laughs) After various hospital trips and like both of our families having issues and work stress and travel nonsense and germs, germs galore, I swear we got like three colds back to back in our house. We're just glad yeah. to like be back in your ears talking about stuff we love now. Absolutely. And I, I second what Kelsey says, you guys. Seriously, we have recorded this so many times and had to trash it due to technical difficulties. So all I can say is thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening and sticking with us. It It is so appreciated. The, the last <laughs> February... February is better than January, and January is a hot fucking mess, so... I don't know. My February might have been worse than so good. <laughs> That's uh, fair. March is, March is definitely um, different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that said, we're back! And today, mm-hmm. we cover chapters 22 through 24 of A Court of Silver Flames, which brings us to the end of part one! <laughs> Finally, like, I'm, I'm excited. Like, I'm very happy that we're finally moving to the point where in this one, the plot really starts picking up and get going. And I'm excited and I can't yeah. wait to move I- on and have you tell me what you think. <laughs> I've had, like, different thoughts as we've gone through this uh, first part, which is, I think it can just be summed up as, I think that it was faster to me than Crescent City. Like, I think Mm -hmm. the pace was faster. I think Mm -hmm. that the pace was slower than Akamath and Akawar. However, I think what I'm really trying to say is that the pace was actually very similar to Akatar, just more pages. But, like, percentage-wise, if you think about, Mm -hmm. like, how far we've gotten with Nesta and how far we got with Feyre, this is kind of reading very similarly uh, down to, as we've pointed out in some of the episodes, how some of these scenes even play out. Very true. And I Um, I mean, I think that's probably done on purpose (laughs) to draw parallels. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I agree. I do think it's done on purpose. And I I think it, well, it does draw parallels. You and I've already talked about that. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, this book is definitely, it's spicier than anything we've had prior. Like the whole Resand Feyre storyline is not as spicy as this is. And we're I only know. in chapter 22. I like, know. the hell? <laughs> yeah. So I stand by my comment just before we started to record this book, period, that said, oh my god, I forgot. This gets spicy really fast. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> and it's, like, really consistent. <laughs> uh, yeah. Does that uh-huh. continue? Okay, I guess here's my thought. I know that we're in part one, and I know that it's, is it three parts? It's three parts, right? Um, I think like, so. My brain is interested to see where this is going to go, because, like, knowing what I know about the story, I don't think at this point, like, this is a spoiler, but, like, we're going into, like, the Valkyrie storyline, yada, yada, yada. Like, 
I'm interested to see, like, if this feels like one book to me or if it feels like two separate books. Head around how we're gonna meld what we're dealing with, like, emotionally and, like, sexually <laughs> with the Valkyrie storyline. Um, but yeah, uh, because, like, in fairness, that was one of my criticisms of Crescent City. Crescent City, to me, felt like it was two separate books. What we dealt with in, like, the first half and the second half in any other day and age probably would have been two separate books. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a very, to me, the way I read it, a very modern concept to allow a book to be that long and have that many different, like, high plot points. Yeah. I don't know. I think, to me, this book reads as one book. Yeah. It does. So oh, that that doesn't bother me. Yeah. I mean, Crescent City reads as one book, too. I'm thinking my way through this. You and I were just talking about this. Um, I would call Crescent City a modern fantasy. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, it, they call it urban because it's set in a city, but I, that <laughs> part I can tell us about There's some it weird connotation, denotation problems. Yeah. And then maybe that's not what people mean when they describe it. <laughs> True. And that's totally fair. So that's why I just, I'll stick with, it's a modern fantasy. It's set in more, it's set in a very modern setting in a city with supernatural characters. Sure. And actually, I think that's the key. To me, Crescent City reads more supernatural than it does fantasy, which is like a slight like difference to me, like in my brain. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Yeah. It just, it's all fantasy to me. I mean, supernatural fantasy is, if it's a supernatural book, it's still, a, it, once you start talking about supernatural creatures, you're in fantasy land, no matter what. Sure. Like, I don't, you know, I mean... I don't care if you're talking about a dragon or you're talking about a fairy or see, you're talking so about. To me because see, I always look at it very differently. When people tell me fantasy, I immediately am trying to like zero in on what they mean. I'm like, okay, so you mean like witches and shit or you mean like fairies and shit? Okay, when you say fairies and shit, you mean dragons or no dragons? <laughs> like, because to me, these are all very different types of books which is fine I'm not saying that I don't read all of them but I want to know which one I'm getting into because if I'm reading one that I think is supposed to be like think about the um uh well like Akatar or like um Blood Nash like that world if all of a sudden like four books in you were like now we're gonna talk about dragons you'd be like this doesn't make any sense <laughs> it doesn't fit the world where we've created it seems off to me but if you're like, oh, um, you know, no, there's definitely dry. I mean, to be fair, I had this criticism. I felt that way a little bit about The Witcher and like, what was that season two? I think there was all of a sudden it was like, oh, oh, we do dragons now. I mean, we've seen a lot of things, but we hadn't seen full on dragons and like eggs and scales. Like that's new. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, versus like Merlin, they're definitely like that is prime dragon fantasy <laughs> i'm now learning that i have like 47 subgenres of fantasy and she's like i only have the one it's not true <laughs> i have several several different types of fantasy i don't know i i it, you I know what lose. this is gonna sound dumb but for the people who know what i'm trying to say they're gonna be like oh yeah and everybody else is gonna be like the fuck is she talking about 
it's the vibes. <laughs> the vibes are just different. <laughs> either we're talking like either the vibe is either Buffy adjacent <laughs> Lord of the Rings adjacent. <laughs> but Lord of the Rings has a dragon in it. Right. But Buffy does not. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? You're either Buffy adjacent, which is like it's more human versus the vampire versus the witch in a modern setting. We wear, you know, boots and jeans. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we might have a club and drinks versus Lord of the Rings where it's like more um, trees and dragons and um, kings and queens. And there's in between. Okay. And I get those definitions yeah. and those definitions make perfect sense. <laughs> and I think of modern fantasy as the Buffy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Same. Okay. And traditional fantasy is the other. Yeah. But I've also read traditional fantasy that, yes, traditional fantasy primarily is the fae, maybe things like unicorns or... Right. Um, dragons or or something of that nature but they're sure. not you don't really see too many shifters doesn't sure. mean that they that can't exist to i was gonna say i was gonna say to me that's the in-between confusion that i call like or or is it the dracula the dracula and werewolves and edwardian clothing <laughs> what's our collar style <laughs> i don't know i mean it's hard for me because <laughs> and i don't mean it to be flippant what i'm trying to say i guess is is that I get, I get both sides of that. I mean, there's, I mean, yeah. I mean, shifters and vampires are really their own kind of fantasy. They really are. However, there is no rule no. that says you can't mix it all up. No, absolutely. My point is, is, and I think this is where all of a sudden it is occurring to me as we're talking. You read like almost a book a day. <laughs> So, not lately, but not okay. Lately, but you read almost a book a day. So you like crush through it and then like you can go like to the next thing. Like I fall into that category of like what people call like the mood reader. So like if I'm only going to get to one book a month or two books a month and I'm looking for a vibe, then the vibe that you give off in your tweet blog synopsis and your cover art better be what you fucking give me because I'm committed now. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm this one fucking gotcha. <laughs> All of a sudden it occurred to me that that is the difference. <laughs> yeah. I'm not necessarily a, a vibe mood yeah, reader. I'm a vibe se. reader. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I can go through, I can go, I can go back and forth between contemporary romance and Regency romance and fantasy and sci-fi. I just want to read a book. It depends on what flavor of book I'm in the mood to read. Right. But that's what I mean. But you're going to move through your flavors much faster. I'm going to get stuck and have to be committed to that for a much longer time period. So like, what I pick and what you sell me better be the same thing. <laughs> and I think that is the difference. <laughs> Fair. Like, imagine if you had to eat the same stupid, like, if you were like, okay, I'm going grocery shopping. Like, most people meal plan, like, three meals a day for a week. And what if I was like, nah, dude, you got to eat the same fucking thing for the next 21 meals. <laughs> like, you better pick wisely. <laughs> I'm the mother of a picky eater. <laughs> oh, God. You relate. 
So. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Well, then he gets it. <laughs> he knows That's why I'm like, um. Right. But he's committed. And if it wasn't the thing, he'd be really upset. Like, if he's really committed to his meal for the next three weeks being, like, blue box mac and cheese, he's going to be real disappointed if it's some other weird off-brand mac and cheese. You see what I'm saying? Fair. <laughs> like, if I only like Jif peanut butter and then you give me Peter Pan, that's not what I asked for. <laughs> I get that they're kind of the same thing, but they're not. <laughs> Peter Pan, sweeter. Exactly. Sometimes it works out. Like sometimes you go into a Katie Roberts book because you don't know who she is and you're like, oh, this is going to be a modern take on Hades and Persephone. And then you didn't know what you were in for, but like you're here now and now you're a fan. So Fair. sometimes it works out, but sometimes it doesn't. Like the one time I ended up reading that weird Jesus, Kim, I don't even remember, but remember I had to read an arc and it was also supposed to be Hades and Persephone, but it was real out there and stressful and strange and I did yes. not sign up for that and that was not my cup of tea but anyway <laughs> yeah I remember that you were like what the fuck I was like I'm pretty sure this is straight abuse <laughs> this is fun anymore um anyway uh, aren't you guys glad that we've recorded this like seven times because now we have a whole different take we decided to go down a rabbit hole about the different types of fantasy aren't you so glad that the other like six versions of this fell in a toilet like <laughs> absolutely because we haven't talked about different types of fantasy that we like to read like one of these days we just need to do an episode where you and i just talk about that in general <laughs> maybe maybe after we finish akasath we'll yeah. we'll Palette take some time before we get <laughs> back into we'll do a bonus episode Jesus. All right. Well, that being said, um, as always, uh, if it wasn't apparent in the last 15 minutes, this podcast is not for little years. No. And, you know, I mean, hell, I just dropped an F-bomb. Um, that being said, uh, so Kelsey does have an attempt to make chapter tw 22. Good God, I can't type talk. Type talk talk. Whoa. Yeah. See, guys, this is what's been going on. Um. Kelsey does have an attempt to make chapter 22 much more manageable um, and funny. It's very funny, um, but it's, it's a lot of adult content. So yeah, we're marking this with the big fat E because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we don't. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah. Uh, so Kelsey, um, chapter 22, okay. take it away. Okay. 22. <laughs> chapter 22 um in case you've forgotten because it's been like you know a fucking month Feyre um, <laughs> just dropped the big news that she'd be pregnant and um, mm -hmm. we also learned all that shit about the trove and Nesta's all I'm gonna do the thing so that Elaine doesn't have to do the thing and that's like kind right. of a wrap right right okay we've set kind of, kind of stressful and awkward yeah more awkward than anything else um, and like definitely like more questions than answers at this point. <laughs> Just a few. So Asriel and Cassian are hanging out post all of this mess, right? And Asriel's like, so do you think Nesta can find the trove? <laughs> Cassian's like <laughs> He sounds like a dial-up tone. Mm, ah. <laughs> 
everybody settles on I hope so, um, which I guess is probably the most diplomatic answer he could have given. And he's just, he's, he's stressed out too, because like, he doesn't want to put her in danger. He doesn't want to push her. He doesn't, you know, uh, want to do anything that's going to like hinder her, you know, growth and, 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 you know, basically he's the only one that sees that she's having any sort of growth at this point. So he doesn't want to see everybody like pushing a thing that could hinder that. So he's kind of in a rock and a hard place. Yeah. I, I mean, he is. He can't win. It's a damned if he yeah. does, damned if he doesn't situation. For exactly. Because sure. he also doesn't want to, like, come off as, like, not supporting her or not um, thinking she can do it or, you know, or not supporting, like, what Reese and the Inner Circle need him to do. So it's a crapshoot. But <laughs> Asriel, Asriel, I sort of feel like, I don't know if he's just, like, saying words or, like, what. Because I feel like dude can't read a room right now. And he's just, like, <laughs> Nessa should, should really do a scrying. And Cassian's like, uh, I feel like I just tried to shut this conversation down and you are not paying any attention to me. Um. <laughs> well, it's not only that, but I mean, did they not listen to what she said in the room when she finally like talked about shit? Right. Right, right. She was like, I don't know if I can. It was terrifying when I did. I didn't feel like I was in control anyway. Like what? Yeah. What a crapshoot. So uh, again, we just kind of get a paragraph set in the scene. So Cassian and Azriel having this stupid fucking conversation <laughs> in like their chairs, essentially. It's like these two like big comfy, you know, like chairs in front of a fireplace. And there's just kind of like an unwritten rule of like which one is his and which one is Azriel's. And like, that's nice. And so like, I get that I think like to me, I'm reading this and I'm like, Azriel can't read a fucking room, but I think we're supposed to be reading it and thinking like, oh, they're just like comfortable with themselves. They're, like this is their comfy spot. This is where they feel at home and they can say shit that only brothers would say to each other. And it's I like guess the that's the sitting room between the two bedrooms. Right. So I think it's supposed to feel comfortable and like, oh, they can say stuff that they wouldn't want to talk about in front of other people like here. Right. Right. Um, to me, it just feels awkward and random, awkward. but you know, whatever to each their own. <laughs> You say awkward and random. I just say awkward and awkward. Yeah. So they're sitting there and Cassian finally like says, you know, I don't think Nesta is up for scrying. And he actually says, we don't even know what power she has left, which is true. He is reiterating what she just told everyone. And Asriel counters with, well, you do know, though, you've seen it even beyond when it glows in her eyes. And I get that what he's trying, <laughs> again, I don't know if Asriel's just like sitting here like, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, word vomit. <laughs> like, I don't know if the man just like has no filter right now. Like maybe that's like the unwritten rule that we didn't get told in that paragraph. That like, maybe this room is like, they can say whatever the fuck they want because Asriel's really just pushing this where he's like, Oh, you do know though. Like, you know, basically trying to say like, I've seen it. I know she has power. And it's like, you've seen what my dude, Yeah. like you've seen vaguely that she has power. Like this doesn't make any sense because you know, in the 400 times that you and I have recorded this, <laughs> you and I keep going back to, uh, if this had been Farah, we would have known more because we thought it was important. Exactly. Like, we remember Lucian being like, uh, hey, Tamlin, I know we got like other like shit going on, but uh, Farah and these powers, I'm really thinking we should figure out what the fuck they are and how to use them before, I don't know, something janky happens. 
And, you know, he was probably right. And Tamlin was an idiot. So here we are. Um, but now it's like everybody has taken the stupid juice. I guess. Because, I mean, you know, they they kind of ignore. Well, they, 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 they ignore the fact that both. Both. Nesta Elaine and Nesta yeah. have power. And, you know, yeah. Okay, so Elaine's a seer. Okay, great. But. You know, yeah, like have Nesta done anything has, with that in a year? I don't know. <laughs> not only that, but you know, Nesta has definitely, you know, if if they could get inside her head, gee, wait a minute. Um, but if they could, you know, get inside their head, they'd know she's been fighting this power every day, right? Yeah, I don't know why they've just been like I, I don't know why they're like aware that she has power so positive that she has a lot of it but are ignoring the fact that they have never taught her how to use it they don't really know what it is they don't know where it comes from they don't know how, like they well, don't they know where it comes from but they don't know well, what it is right. how does they it don't manifest know, like elementally like yeah they like they haven't experienced it so they're like it would just be the blind leading the blind. I mean, we know that Amron did her best as another, you know, quote, you know, made individual back in the day, but she really only was teaching her what she could based on the singular purpose that they needed in Akalar, not generally speaking. So I don't really know why Asriel's just sitting here like spitting stupid because he's just like, oh, she does have power though. She should try his crime. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, my dude, have you been paying any attention? Like, she hasn't done any of that shit in a year. She doesn't know if she can. And I don't know if she should. Well, yeah. So Cassian says what I just said, but like a lot more succinctly. <laughs> a little nicer about it than you and yeah. I would have been. You and I would have been like, uh, hey, asshole. I know. We would have been like, the fuck, like my dude. Have you been listening to anything I'm fucking saying? Yeah. Um. Apparently not. No. <laughs> Wait, I have to do what? I'm supposed to listen? What? So what he says is she's volatile right now. The last time she did a scrying, it ended badly. The cauldron looked at her and then took Elaine. And Azriel's just like, I know, I helped rescue Elaine after all. <sighs> I'm just here to say that I am not an Elaine and Azriel fan. This man is unhinged and kind of dumb. <laughs> Like, I think Elaine, I'm not even an Elaine fan, but Elaine probably can do better. Um, <laughs> this man is just not, <laughs> he ain't with it, this book, okay? <laughs> I will say, I'm going to interrupt that for a quick sec. On our Discord, <laughs> in the spoilers section, some of us have been having a conversation and somebody brought up a really interesting point and i actually will say it here because it's not a spoiler spoiler um this part of it anyway sure. so the point was brought up that what if elaine was pregnant because she and grayson had you know done the thing and when she got thrown into the cauldron it forced her to have a miscarriage uh-huh and because of that the cauldron gave her the gift of sight And that's why she was so catatonic and all and brokenhearted. Sure. I'm not saying that it's right, but it's an no, interesting thing. I don't hate that. I just, 
feel like that doesn't make me be like, so, and then Asriel's a seer, so they should be together. Well, no, I don't, I am not, I'm not one who would put Asriel and, and Elaine together. I'm not a shipper of that. I'm not a fan of that ship. I do not ship that, so that's okay. Um <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely go down the Aleutian route and and go there. That's if I'm going to ship Elaine with oh, anybody. Oh, Jesus. Guys, this is what happens if we have to keep recording episodes. We keep thinking of more things that we've seen since the last time we tried to record. Um, I saw a thing that was like, hey, I mean, SJM's been getting spicier as things go along. What if this is the first, uh, like, three-person, like, love triangle mate situation? Like, what if Elaine is both there? And I was like, you know what? Sure. (laughs) What if? Sure. (laughs) Interesting. I'd be fascinated. That's fine. Let's go. (laughs) That would be a little weird, but okay. Let's be real. Not any weirder than any... I'm sorry, it's not any weirder than anything that has happened, like, once we get into, like, books three, four, five of any other series. I'm sorry, my brain is thinking about how I've tried now, like, three times to carry on with the Blood and Ash series, and I I made a TikTok about it. Don't worry, I'll, I'll share it soon. Uh, I don't know what the no, hell it's not. I, I agree. I think my problem with that love triangle is <laughs> it's not Elaine being the pivot point. It's the fact that it's Lucian and Azrael. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Yeah. Like, All right, fair. Um, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> All right. So anyway, point is, is uh, ain't nobody here for this stupid fucking sentence where Azrael said, I know I helped rescue Elaine after all. Like, congratulations. We all did. Anyway. <laughs> yes, but you weren't there to see like... Nesta lose her shit mentally and emotionally because the thing got in it her head. It doesn't matter because we only like Elaine, remember? Nobody cares. <laughs> That's basically what I keep getting from this. No, and here's the thing. The fucked up part is, is and you and I have talked about this, I have never been a huge fan of Nesta because I've always felt she was such a bitch. Right. Okay? But, but, I feel like everybody just belittles what happened to her? And yeah. I'm, just, I'm mystified by that. I know. I know. It is really strange. It is super strange. But anyway, so Azrael said his stupid fucking sentence. And then Cassian says, like, he again, kind of nicely shuts him down. Like, Cassian really has, like, a lot more patience for this than I do. And he says, Nesta will scry on her own eventually if she's capable. And Azrael keeps pushing. He's like, well, like, what if they find the dread crow by absurd? And Cassian's just like, shut the fuck up. Like, let Nesta try it her way. Like, if you try to force her, like, there's a million things that could go wrong. Like, you could, like, totally force, like, if you force her, she's gonna be one of these people who just is like, fine, fuck you, I'm going back to human's lands, I'm out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I will leave just to spite you. So, like, so if you push her, she could just bail. If you push her, she could do something she's not actually capable of doing and, like, hurt herself or others, or it's just not going to work anyway. Exactly. So, like, what is the point? 
And for some reason, Asriel, like, I guess finally at this point is like, okay, like, I guess this conversation is going nowhere. And Cassian changes the subject back to the whole, you know, we're going to be uncles thing. <laughs> and it's kind of cute. Um, again, if I was as irritated, like, rehashing the same old fucking stupid shit, there was no way I'd be having this cutesy fun conversation. But, like, fine, whatever. These two dudes are chill. Maybe dudes are like that. I don't know. And... <laughs> Uh, yes Asriel. and no. <laughs> yeah, you're having a boy. Like, woohoo, team boy. Cassian is just like, and I just imagine this being like super awkward. Like, you can hear the file, cr- like, fire crackling, and the two of them just like, mm hmm. Because then Cassian's like, I'm happy for Reese. So am I. <laughs> awkward silence where they're like, Are you feeling kind of left out and sad? Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> Because then Cassian looks over at Az and says, like, you think you'll ever be ready for one? What? <laughs> and Azriel says, I don't know. And Cassian's just like, well, do you want one? Like, is that a thing? Like, we've never talked about this before. You want kids? Do you, do you like kids? Do you want kids? Do you imagine having kids? Like, should we get you a girlfriend? <laughs> and Azriel is just the sulky boy he is and says, like, it doesn't matter what I want. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, um, I do not even have, remotely have the time to unpack that. And <laughs> Azriel flips the question on Cassian, do you want a child? And <laughs> Cassian is off in La La Land. Um, he, Cassian never... Yeah, he's up in La La Land. Somehow, somehow, while Azriel was doing his moody boy response... Cassian must have like me been like I ain't got time to unpack this so I'm gonna think of something else and his brain wanders back to remember like the funsy time that the two of them had where like you know he had funsy time and she didn't and he has feelings about that um and he feels feels bad because he got off and she didn't yeah that's wrong and I'm like um okay dude whatever yeah, and he's all, like, kind of thinking about how, like, she finished with that whole, like, quick off the mark thing. And finally, Asriel's like, Cassian, like, I've been talking, my man. And luckily, I don't know, it must have taken Asriel a really long time to realize that Cassian wasn't paying attention because Cassian, like, nothing else has transpired. And Cassian just responds with, of course, I want children. And that's kind of <laughs> the end of that conversation. Um, Thank God. Yeah. Because I think they just both are like, cool, but like, it's kind of, okay, it's kind of like any group of girlfriends when you hit that weird point where like, <laughs> I saw a TikTok the other day about it where it's like, if you take like a group of women in like their mid 20s, right, it's gonna run the gamut, there's gonna be like one girl who's like still single and on the apps, and then there's gonna be like one girl who's engaged, and there's gonna be another girl who's like recently married, and there's gonna be another girl who's like actively pregnant, and it's like, a crapshoot so like every time somebody announces something the whole room is like yay but also fuck am I supposed to be doing that right now like I feel like a child Jesus like you know when the first girl got engaged everybody was like oh I want to be engaged and then she got married and everybody was like oh Jesus I am I supposed to be ready for a wedding I'm not and then like somebody gets pregnant and they're like oh congratulations but I want one but I don't even have a boyfriend like every group of friends like goes through this and so that's kind of what Cassian and Asriel are going through and so they're just like, oh, that's nice. And 
<laughs> ultimately Cassian uh, circles back on that to the whole Nesta thought and is like, well, I may not have any kids right now or in the near future, but uh, I could go make things up to Nesta. And somehow at this point, Asriel, who's apparently is suddenly like back online and can read the room, realizes that Cassian's got something up his sleeve. And as Cassian gets up and heads for the door, he turns to Asriel and says, turn a blind eye, chaperone. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, too funny, too funny. Uh, and then we just don't like, okay. I just wouldn't think of of Azrael as a chaperone, but okay. Yeah, well, it, it'd be what it's going to be. Um, here, here we are, guys. Um, this is the part where, like, if you want to read, like, the raunchy bit, go read the raunchy bit. If you just want to hear me try to explain the raunchy bit in the least offensive way possible using um, really awkwardly titled uh, songs that are really uncomfortable um, and use them in the description, stay here. <laughs> You're in the right place. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. Guys, I'm ready. I've been I've been waiting for this. <clears throat> Nesta is all snuggled up in bed with her book, okay? Like we all do. And she is like just getting to the steamy part of her book. She is getting to the part in her book that is this chapter. And <laughs> we get a knock, knock, knock. And I laugh because she basically slams the book shut. And I'm like, uh, oh, poor girl's embarrassed. The rest of us just be like reading our smut at the doctor's office in the waiting room. Or like, you know, like I do it when I get my hair done and my hairdresser reads the raunchy bits over my corner, over my shoulder. Which um, is hysterical. <laughs> she really do, though. She even told one of her other clients about it. Um, <laughs> God, that's fucking funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Nesta apparently still is, you know, got, you know, more ability to be embarrassed about what she reads than the people listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> most of us would just roll our eyes, but you know, whatever. Whatever. Um, she rolls her eyes a little bit as she's like closing her book, like, oh Jesus. Okay, what? And then <laughs> um Cassian opens the door and proceeds to just stare at her. And so again, she says, What? And our like blubbering buffoon of a lover boy just stumbles over himself because, quote, I've never seen you with your hair down. Mm, which is like cute. Okay. Um, it could have been cute. It could have been start of a like, really cute thing, but instead it's like the start of the sexy stuff, um, part two. Um, because <laughs> we had part one last time. So he starts to compliment her hair and she's all, well, yeah, like it's annoying when it's down, yo. And, uh, you know, that's like why I don't um, put it up. And, you know, she's just kind of like babbling on. Right. And he's all, nope, it's beautiful. And she's like, oh, but I can't say, oh, so I think she probably just stares at him awkwardly. Um, and then cue the beginning of can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> Um, because I'm just saying that, like, I don't know what she thinks is happening. And I don't know what he thinks is happening. But uh, I hear in my head, I can see what's happening. What? And they don't have a clue. Who? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Okay, yeah, I couldn't figure out how to work that in like last episode. So I um, had to figure it out here. Uh <laughs> so <clears throat> listen up for some song titles. 
Nesta is hit with the smell of desire. That is a song that is mostly just music and the few lyrics that are in it are in French, but honestly it's a mood and it was like the way better choice of the two because my other option was to work in Smelly Cat here. And you know what? <laughs> if it was her, if he was sending her instead of her sending him, I probably would have because of euphemisms. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I went with Smell of Desire. Anyway, her pulse is something that she can feel again and she asks, here for more. And Cass is all, I owe you for last night. And on a serious note, Nesta points out, male pride is a thing of wonder. Why are you even here? You made it clear enough that last night was a mistake. And he's like quick to point out that he act like never actually said that. Um, so like, it's good that she's like airing out her concerns now. And I'm glad she's not like bottling them up and like keeping it all inside and like pushing them out the door. That's kind of what I expected, but she doesn't. So like progress. And little, yeah. <laughs> he says some like deliciously dirty thing about how he only has one regret and it's being that uh, 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 he did the thing uh, and that things weren't even. Um, back to speaking in song title, because again, that could have been a cute conversation where they talked about feelings, but we, we don't got time for that right now. Um, <laughs> feelings? Uh, yeah. Um, oh, well, before we carry on with the touchy stuff, I, I got to admit, we really did cover our bases here and like kind of like cover our consent stuff here um, because she says, well, like, won't your friends think this is a mistake? And he basically says to hell with them. This isn't about the inner circle or the training. It's about the two of them. Uh, and then taking a note from Feyre's journal of stupid, uh, she says, this is just sex. And I'm like, Jesus, we've like passed this tree before. And Cassian quickly tries to package up his little broken pieces of his heart and says, yeah, yeah, like that. Just sex. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. now we're back to the song titles. <clears throat> they are ripping clothing off a la Thong Song and Cassian is immediately climbing on top of her and it ain't just for the pillow talk. No, for the next three pages, he tortures her with the threat of a good time between her legs and all ready to kiss it better. If that song title didn't help you, I can't help you. The man really throws her when he's, well, talking while pleasing. Use your imagination, boys and girls. Um, she's pretty much ready to tell him to say my name when a groan from him sends her right over the edge of heaven. We catch our breath and Nesta reaches for his disco stick. I... I'm so impressed that I remembered that song existed. Um, <laughs> and he stops her, telling her that they're even now. And, and that's the end of the chapter. Um, if you like paid attention, there's eight song titles in there and an honorable mm -hmm. mention for Smelly Cat and Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Um, and on a side note. Can you note, get an honorable mention for feelings? There you go. I like that. Um and on like a side note, I am mad that I didn't think to like always get through the smut this way um, because I missed out on an opportunity earlier in this book to use Nicki Minaj's feeling myself for obvious reasons. So yeah, <laughs> uh, that was my uh, fastest way of getting us through like pages and pages and pages of smut that I read in a waiting room for my allergist with a bunch of old people. Anyway, <laughs> it wasn't the ideal place to read that for the first time. Um, but that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> I would think it wasn't. <laughs> so chapter 23. <laughs> chapter 23. Well, 
how do I follow that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. dude, you just set me up and not in a good way. So, uh, yeah, chapter 23, because, you know, we had some fun in 22. <laughs> Uh, 23 literally opens the next morning and I have to read the first I was going to say you have to read it me up as, as Cassian he's like watching Nesta Climax had been as close to a religious experience as Cassian had ever had oh my god cue that hosier song uh, take me to church absolutely love it and I just I have to laugh because I was just like, hee 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 hee. I just, yeah, um, I just love that this book has no qualms about being like, I'm going to say the thing. It's going to be a lot, but I'm going to say the thing. Versus I feel like back at Akamath, it felt like a lot, but at the same time, there was a lot of like beating around the bush. Whoa, we have stopped beating around the bush. SJS, I have read some Katie Robert books in my uh, <laughs> few months, and uh, I'm feeling like I can just say whatever the hell I want. <laughs> Yeah. See, I'm with you. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> like I said, like, that or she's been hanging out with JLA some more. And Katie Robert, maybe? I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I mean, Does she know Katie Robert? She should. I think they'd be, I think Katie could teach her a lot. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, no kidding. So, um. anyway, he goes on about how he had, it took everything he had literally to leave the room and not go at it. Um, with her and you know everything he's done he can't get rid of her smell and her taste um, which I think is really kind of comical um, yeah and also like annoying I've thought about this with the whole face scenting thing a lot like yeah like you can't just like move on you're gonna be like nope I literally smell her everywhere in this house like I have to like go out to town to get rid of this like that's a lot <laughs> that is a lot I, I feel for him because that would really suck, you know? I mean, I, I, ugh, if I had that problem. So when he's already up in the training ring, so apparently breakfast is over. I mean, like I said, this is the next morning. And he's trying to get his head sorted. <laughs> and Nesta shows up. He acknowledges that it's the same Nesta that he always dealt with every single morning. And right. he's not sure if that messes with his head or not. <laughs> But at the same time, Azrael walks in right behind her, and asks, and 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 Cassian's like, "Wait, what? What? What are you doing here? Why are you I was here?" Say, so that's like a crapshoot because, like, on one hand, you would think that it'd be like, "Oh, good, a third person to break the awkward tension," but on the other hand, it's Azrael, and he's really bad at that, so <laughs> he'll just add to it. <laughs> Pretty much. But as he says, and, and this is hysterical, it comes in, he goes, his brother took one look at him and smirked, as new. Could either scent Cassian on Nesta or could already scent Nesta on Cassian, even from across the ring. Okay. He's had showers. I assure you, she's probably taken a bath or a shower or something. They've washed themselves probably quite thoroughly, right? If you can still smell them, isn't that like the mating bond? I, I, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand any of this. Uh, because I, my brain, <laughs> my brain. The only other people I've ever heard of that being like that with were like Favor and Reese. 
Okay, so right. So that's what I was going to say. And so I think that's what I can't. Okay, here's where I'm confused. Okay, hear me out. This is where the lore of it kind of makes me go, I think we could have fleshed this out a little better or cleared up some confusion. Because I initially thought the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah, so like you can scent a mating bond. I get it. That makes sense. But then it occurred to me that I don't think it does make sense. Because I think in my head originally when we learned this back in like Akamath, or I guess we learned it in Akatar, but not really because it wasn't applicable at the time. But like when we were talking about it back in Akamath, I feel like in my head I was like, oh, it's a special smell. But then I was like, no, no, wait, it's just specifically their smell? Well, then for, like, it's I'm, I'm unclear on if other people can tell what that smell is. Because in Akawar and Akamath, the inner circle talks, like, like Amron makes the comment, like, I'm so sick of smelling you two, or whatever, right? So Amron could smell it. But that means that, like, Feyre, being Faye, couldn't smell it. Or if she could smell it, she didn't know what she was smelling. That means that like Cassian and Asriel couldn't really smell it. Or if they could, again, they didn't know what they're smelling. So does that mean that all it is is basically a like combination of the two people sense? Because if that's the case, that makes it very difficult for anybody who isn't very close to these people to figure out, which makes it, I guess, more complicated and explains why some people can't smell their own mating scent. Like I don't understand how Nesta can't smell that and Cassian can't smell that, but other people can smell that. Okay, so here's, no, here's the thing. I think the whole inner circle could smell it on Reese and Farah. Just none of them were going to say anything. No, because Cassian and Asriel, like they even, like Reese admits that Cassian and Asriel weren't actually all that sure. And Amran was, but Amran was Amran. And Moore knew. Because no, because he had confirmed it to Moore and Amran. He had not confirmed it to Azrael okay, but I guess that's my point. But if Azrael and Cassian can't smell it to be, like, if they need it to be confirmed, then they can't smell it confidently enough. Well, no, because here's the thing. He didn't confirm it with them, but they, later on, at some point, I can't remember which book. I want to say maybe it was Akawar. Yeah. Cassian acknowledges, he goes, the hardest thing, it was, it was Akawar, because it's after the whole thing with Lucian. Oh, okay. he was okay. like, oh my God, these two being mated, it was horrible. To pretend yeah. like I didn't know anything. Well, sure. But my point is, is then that doesn't track with the fact that then how can Nesta and Cassian not know that right now? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, Because Nesta doesn't know dick about it and Cassian's not going to say anything. Okay, but I still don't, I still think this is some whack-ass lore. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just <laughs> saying. Cassian's not going to say anything because the last thing he wants to do is freak her out. He's right. known for a while. But I guess what I'm saying is, is what I don't understand about how this works is Ca Ca okay let's be real Cassian doesn't know it because of the smell Cassian knows it because he knows it same with Reese Reese doesn't know it because of the smell Reese knew it because he knew it so what I'm saying is is I don't think the smell is actually as big of a thing as the book is making it out to be if that makes sense because if it no, was that obvious then there would be no question who was mated to who anywhere on this planet because everybody on earth would be able to smell it and be like yo you two you two be mates like you know what I mean Right. But I think what happens is is that once you, you do the... I mean, anytime you do the dirty with someone, you're going to have their scent on you. Sure. Yeah. Once, once it becomes, especially a particularly regular occurrence... Sure. Scent embeds. Like, so the, then that the would... Scents right. intertwine. Okay, right. So that makes more logical sense. And that would explain why, though, also, if you go back to Akamath, why Cassian and Azrael weren't sure, because that didn't happen until that cabin fiasco. Which means Chapter they actually... Five. 
like they never actually were around both of them at that point. Because remember, as soon as they got back, it was a whole fiasco. And Pharaoh went off to her hidey hole. No, that's chapter 55 is the cabin thing. No, chapter, no, you're talking about the actual cabin. I mean, when they're in that real weird, shitty, you know, two idiots, one bed. Oh, two idiots, that's one bed. That's the first time that their scent would have technically ever been intertwined. But that's what I'm saying. So Azriel and Cassian never saw them in between. No, they didn't see that. Right. So then they would have been going off of a much lesser scent. Do you see what I'm saying? Versus it would have probably been incredibly obvious once they got back from that, except they didn't get to really see them in a room together instead. <laughs> instead, Farrah dumped him at the front door and left with more. Right, but the point being, as soon as he came back, it was like, you yeah. know, as soon as they both came back after yeah. chapter 55. So then everybody knew. Yeah, exactly. Like, hello. And yeah. I think that's the difference. I think Yeah. it also means though that that. Nesta has no freaking clue. Right, she's because just, she wasn't involved in, like, any of this. Yeah, exactly. So she has she no clue. Like, every time you try to talk to her about this stuff, yeah, she shuts down. Because that makes sense. A bit of an ostrich and puts her head in the sand. But see, I feel like you and I have now thought about this. This is, okay, you're going to laugh. But, like, with my job, we look at a lot of applications, right? I do scholarships. <laughs> I do grants. I do all these things. And uh, a very common thing I will have, like, the president of our group say is he'll say, we can't write the application for them. <laughs> like, yeah, we may be able to connect the dots, but we can't write the application for them. They're supposed to make that evidently clear. And <laughs> I'm laughing because I sort of feel that way about this. I think you and I have now cracked it and it makes sense. But I stand by my original statement that this could have been a hell of a lot clearer. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100% that that it it could have been um it's okay i so don't much get clear. this and it's fine because like no shade to jla but there's a bunch of stuff over there that i don't understand either so it's fine <laughs> i think writing lore is probably just difficult in general so like it's fine <laughs> well hasn't jam wallace even told us that Oh, yeah, she's hilarious. She'll tell you that right up front. Oh, man, I love her. So I'm thinking maybe that's what it is. So anyway. <sighs> anyway, so yeah, the fact that it, Cassian makes that comment just to me, it's just like. Yeah, dude, what the hell are you trying to do? Like, really? Uh, so as is there and Cassian's like, what are you doing here? Cassian's like, thank you. This is just going to make today even more complicated. <laughs> Like, I don't know whether to kiss you or beat your ass. I don't know. Push you off the balcony. (laughs) You just landed. Poof. (laughs) Goodbye. Um, Yeah, so Asriel's funny. He's like, yeah, I thought I'd do some training before heading out for the day. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? Which just is too funny. And, you know, they're like, oh, we're just going to work on hand-to-hand to know. And Asriel's like, oh, my least favorite. And I give Nesta Critch, she's like, why? <laughs> and he's like, I prefer swordplay. Hand-to-hand is too close for my tastes. And of course, Cassian says, well, he doesn't like getting a face full of someone's armpits wet. All right, I got to admit, that is enough to even make me go, ew. Yep. Thanks, Cassian. Didn't need that image. Did not need that image at all, dude. Azrael and Nesta really too don't, they really don't have an issue with each other because Nesta doesn't 
I, okay, I sort of love this for them. I have to say, to me, this is a redeeming quality of Asriel because I, everyone has probably figured out in the last few episodes, I don't by any means hate Asriel, just like I don't hate Elaine. I, I Like my problem with Elaine, I don't think Asriel's written terribly well at this point. Um, right. We don't have really enough background. And then like the background we have versus his actions versus then his weird thing with Elaine, these things don't, to me, all really track. Like we're definitely missing some big piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. Like, talking about that don't make no sense. So yeah. given that, I kind of find that his, basically he, he pretty much likes Nesta really. Um, as far as, as far as liking Nesta goes, I think by these characters, he definitely likes Nesta more than Reese does. Uh, he likes Nesta probably more than Moore does. Um, truthfully, he probably is in line with Amran and the difference is that Amran and Nesta had a falling out because they had a fight about something, but Asriel and Nesta haven't really had that happen. Correct. So other than Cassian, Asriel's really the only one that probably likes her more so than tolerates her. That would probably be true. You know I mean? Like, I think he legitimately is like, no, nah, you know what? Like, I get it. She a bitch, but she right. Most of the time she right. <laughs> well, absolutely. But and so I just think that's cute. Sort of. For him, it's also, no, it's fine, because for him, it's also partially respect, because unlike everybody else, she's not cowed by him. Yes, and I think he appreciates that. And then also, kind of like we got a little bit with him, so like, looking back at like, Cassian and Feyre have a very good, like, brother-sister type relationship, and Asriel and Feyre do a little bit, but I think Asriel sometimes feels like he thought he and Feyre were going to be on the same page because they were both kind of like the underdog who didn't get respect. But like Feyre very quickly did. You know what I mean? So I think he still respects that, but he's really looking at Nesta like, actually, if anybody's going to get me, it's going to be this bitch because she also has been run over a hundred times and nobody's paying attention to her because she's strong enough not to totally collapse. Like we're paying attention to Elaine because she collapsed. <laughs> like that girl just like, inward fault like just just totally fell into a pit but like nesta didn't and nobody ever checks on the strong ones and nobody ever checks on the quiet ones exactly and so i think exactly. he and nesta kind of see eye to eye on that which is like we may be completely not okay and nobody's ever gonna ask very true with very few exceptions i would agree with yeah that. and it's mm -hmm. like you see me and i see you and that's gonna be the end of it we don't have to talk about feelings but like i see you and i respect that and i and i just love that for them because everybody needs to be seen, you know? Absolutely. We all do. We all do. But having, as in the fighting ring, props Nesta to say, I want, I want you two to show me how you two fight. Because she's like, what I saw on the battlefield, it's not the same. She's like, you know, sure. I want to know, I want to know what I'm up against. And Azrael's like, blink, 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 what? But Cassian is smart and he goes, you know, yeah, it's a variation of what we do here, but it requires a different sort of fighting. We won't start battle training for a while yet. And he looks at, you know, he looks at us. He's like, you want to spar? So they do. They go through this whole thing. But as they're fighting with each other, and it apparently is quite a beautiful thing. And I have to admit, watching two people who really do know how to fight sure. and are sparring appropriately, really... Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And I'm not talking about like a boxing match where people are trying to beat the ever-living shit out of each other. I'm talking about true sparring is really nice to watch. Yeah, I mean, like for most people, probably the closest like example I can think of is um, 
like if you I'm trying to think of like like really good fight choreography in a movie. Like yeah. like I'm talking like the really good ones. I'm talking like Count of Monte Cristo on, and like uh uh what else? Um the Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like really good fight choreography. Oh yeah. Yeah. Both of them are mm, chef's kiss. Yes. <laughs> As somebody who's done that kind of stuff and really enjoys it. Mm, chef's kiss. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. So they fight and it gets it, it gets intense and it goes on and I'm not going to go into a whole lot of it, but it gets it, it gets kind of, Nesta kind of turned on because she's okay, like I was going to say this kind of is like every every chapter lately I'll be like this could have been a really cute moment but then instead we gotta get weird <laughs> instead it gets weird. but she's looking at two really hot men naked well half naked sweaty. <laughs> I don't think they yanked their pants off for no reason. I could be wrong. <laughs> Knowing those two, anything is possible. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what is it? Instead of strip poker, we're going to play like we're going to play strip sparring. If I hit you, you have to take that piece of clothing off. <laughs> Knowing those two, it would not surprise shock or nope, not even a little bit. <laughs> nope, not at all. So anyway, yeah. So they. They, they spar, and so Nesta gets this crazy idea. What would it like to be between the two of them in a um, in a sexual way? So, yeah, okay. Yeah, she gets, like, surprisingly graphic. Like, again, as somebody who fucking reads, like, the Dark Olympus series, nothing's that shocking anymore. <laughs> but at the same time, coming from this book, it's like, oh, didn't see that one going up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would I would agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, I just did that with the other book I'm reading. I like side note. I love the little Evie Dunmore books. Her series is great and adorable. And I did that. I literally said out loud the other night. I'm reading. I'm reading. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. And then suddenly it gets super smutty, like kind of out of nowhere. And I was. I literally said out loud, "Damn, Evie." <laughs> My husband was like, what? I'm like, I'm just sitting here acting like I know her. I don't. But <laughs> like, damn, Evie, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, warn a bitch first. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so SJM, warn a bitch first. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So the 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 fight ends. <clears throat> and Nesta's totally being calm and whatever, but um, she's got the telltale blush to let Cassia know exactly where her thoughts had kind of gone. Okay, but see, this is why I'm saying, God, I keep hating to come back to this, but I don't understand. So now we can't smell that? I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can. Because <laughs> he says there was no wind to blow her scent to him, but from the way her throat bobbed. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just denies. calling bullshit. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, Azrael coughs at the awkwardness and uh, Cassian flat out tells her you're drooling. Love it. <laughs> she gets all defensive. And I love how her response is if there's anything enticing, it was seeing Azrael punch your face. And Cassian looks at her and goes keep telling yourself that. Jesus. God help us. It was funny. It's, it is funny. But we get a snowflake and we get, it, it, it changes place and time. It moves forward a little bit. We're down in the library and Nesta's 
talking with Gwen and she starts asking Gwen about the dead, the dread trove, the dead trove. No, the dread trove. <laughs> the thing. We're just going to call it the thing. Cause every, every time I feel like I like, I just garble it. I'm like, the dread trove. I feel like I say it like Shaggy and Scooby who are already terrified. The dread, dead trove. Well played. Um, and Gwen's like, I, I've never heard of it. I don't know what you're talking about. And she she tries to explain it to, to Gwen. And she's like, it. she says, it seems like the trove has a glamour to make people forget that it exists. Um, she figures she's probably disobeyed Reese in asking Gwen for information, but at the same time, she didn't give Enway any of the gory details, so she's kind of like, yeah, whatever. And Gwen's like, wait a minute, you have to find it? And Nessa's like, yeah, but I don't know where to begin. Which one to try to find first? And Gwen's like, well, you know, we have we have an extensive card cataloging system. Okay. Kelsey, have you ever used a real card catalog? For the love of God, no. But I can only imagine how well that would go. <laughs> show my age because when I was growing up that's how you found things we didn't have this magical thing called the internet or a computer to go to to tell me where it was oh no 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 I went to this big stack of boxes with these little tiny drawers on them yeah. and you opened up the drawer and it was by letter and you have to go find the damn book by the author yeah and you find it and then it would tell you where in the library to go get the book. Yeah, no, I used like the world's first computerized version. And I remember because that one was not hooked up to the internet. So that one was just like, they had it on like a singular computer in the library and you'd go to type it in. And if you didn't type the last name exactly right, it's not like it understood like similarities. You know right. what I mean? There was no good way to tell it. Like, I'm looking for something. Like, if I was looking for, like I said, like Evie Dunmore, and I typed like D-U-N-M-O-O-R-E instead of M-O-R-E, they'd have been like, nope, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and you'd be like, but it is. And it was a nightmare. Yeah, probably not really better than looking in a box. Like, probably should have still been looking in a box till they perfected that system. <laughs> Well, looking at a box was a bit of a pain because you'd literally be going through and you're, you pull the, you pull the whole right. you know, drawer out, right? Depending on how far back you got to go. And you're literally flipping through little index cards. Okay, so thinking about that reminds me a little bit of like my feelings about the dictionary. Kind of like when people, people tell kids all the time, you'll be like, how do you spell tsunami? And they'd be like, look it up in the dictionary. Well, to be able to do that, that would require you to know the tsunami starts with a T. And if the kid is asking how to spell it, then they don't fucking know that. Bingo. And I always felt that way about trying to find books at the library. It's like, I'm looking for books about leaves. And then they'd be like, cool, do you know what books you're looking for? No, you're the expert. I'm looking for books about leaves. Jesus. I, I get it. I mean, it's not, it's still not an exact science, but damn, it's a whole hell of a lot easier now oh, than it was. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. And that's what I mean. Now you can just type in leaves and it'll find you all the books with leaves in the title. So like, it's fine. But like Jesus, it used to be, yeah, it would be like, okay, you have to go look for the book in the card catalog. Okay. What? I don't know what book I'm looking for. Well, then you're fucked. <laughs> like I said, 
card catalog system, the way she did that, I was like, oh my God. So in other words, no, 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 Gwen, don't bother. <laughs> it, it, it literally, it brings back this horror of a nightmare for me as a, as a Gen Xer. I'm not even going to lie. Really, really bad memories. <laughs> Researching papers in the library. So she's like, uh, you know. She goes, yeah, you know, it's really great. Doesn't list anything below level seven. Uh, so, of course, we have no idea what the frick is between seven and the basement, right? And, you know, Nessa goes, yeah, I know. And, and Gwen's like, so why are you coming to me? And Nessa goes, well, you know, you're really good at what you do. And you do all this research for Meryl. So I thought I'd ask if you knew or could at least point me in in the right direction if you can't actually help me so Gwen's like okay no problem I, I need to finish what I'm working on but let me see where I am and when how long that takes and then I'll see what I can do to help and Gwen's like yeah finding objects to help our court protect the world is rather exciting about as exciting as I'm willing to get these days but it shall be an adventure so I find that very interesting. I know. I highlighted that too because I loved that little spark in there where it's like, but it'll, you know, it should be an adventure. Like she, yeah. I love that little spark in there where it's like, I'm scared and I don't want to do anything crazy and I'm not really willing to do anything crazy, but this is a little crazy and I can do a little crazy. Exactly. Um, Nesta offers for her to come to training and, and Gwen's like, uh, nope, not happening. Not it. So not it. And you know, Nesta keeps trying. She's trying. And, you know, she's like, I'm not, a, you know, because Gwen tries to say, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't want to be a warrior. And Nesta's like, I'm not a warrior. Just because I'm doing training doesn't make me a warrior, which fair. Absolutely fair. But yeah. then Nesta brings up the whole Valkyrie thing. I don't know. I just like that. You don't have to give up one thing to be the other, because I think that like we live in a world that's very much you kind of do like we live in this weird dichotomy where it's like we kind of expect everyone to give up everything to be this one thing but we also expect everybody to be everything <laughs> and do everything right while also wanting them to appear to only be one thing exactly and it's just so unrealistic and unachievable and just asking too much of people so i just i don't know i really liked that <laughs> well but not only that but i mean it also explains i'm gonna sidetrack us here for a moment the whole level of burnout, especially for women, moms in particular, oh, yeah. but women today really have this level of burnout that they've never had before. And I think, especially, especially for the moms, but not always, I mean, it, you could just have a very demanding career and, and, sure. and not have children, but a demanding family. It, it's hard because you're, you're, they want you to be this amazing person in your career, but at the same time, they also want you to be, the the person they expect you to be at home and that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody and I it's actually, very stressful it is and i actually saw something this week that i thought was amazing and i've been thinking about it all week where it said the failure is that like our parents so like our mothers were the first ones who kind of had the idea that like women could be anything like women could be equal to men they could do what men could do you know what i mean so our mothers were raised kind of the first ones to kind of figure that out and then our mothers took the lesson which is you can't be anything and accidentally taught us you have to be everything somewhat 
And so unfortunately, instead of being taught that, oh, like you can be like the messaging is, oh, you're a little girl. You can be a firefighter. You can be president. You can be an astronaut. Unfortunately, what we've taught women is you have to be one of those crazy things and a mother and the housekeeper and the cook and the one who does the finance. You see what I mean? We taught them that you had to get, you had to do all of it. You were supposed to just keep tacking on to be better instead of, you know, you sometimes you do have to give something up to be the other. Absolutely. Um, you know, so I think it's, like I said, we're a weird dichotomy of having to be like, figure out the difference between what you can be anything, but you still, you can't be everything for everybody. <laughs> Here's the thing. And this is the difference between your generation and mine. And I don't mean this in a bad way. Sure. But my generation, part of the reason why my generation is as cynical as it is and kind of everybody accuses sure. us of being a little disconnected in a way that, you know, our parents were like, yeah, you can be anything you want to be. But to do that, a lot of us became what they call latchkey kids because mom sure. wasn't around. And so yeah. the flip side of that is, is we saw the importance of the career and I'm not necessarily speaking from personal experience. I'm speaking from a generational stereotypical explanation of things that happened to people within my generation. I think right. it's the easiest way to explain it. Um, but you know, we saw our parents weren't really there. Our moms weren't there. And so we decided as if they went for their career, they went for their career and, you know, we became these latchkey kids. And so we decided, unfortunately, well, we're going to find a way to do both. Well, right. That's and what I mean. When you're, when you're raised in a way that you can be anything, sometimes anything turns into everything. Right. And so my generation is the one that was like, oh, well, we have to be everything. Right. But then you have to remember that most of us, you're our older siblings or or like cousins or what have you like we were less latchkey like my generation was less latchkey however that still doesn't mean our parents were around most of us had two working parents and most of us went to before and after care exactly I, but most of most of my friends did they were at school from 6 a.m until 6 p.m every single day and exactly. so it's like so again same thing like it, different different way of going about it because like you guys didn't have the before and after care but that got invented because they didn't want the latchkey kids anymore but at least you had an adult there like we were sure, sure. yeah ourselves, so to sure speak. and so it's just a weird society is very interesting and in how it perceives things and how women in particular perceive right about what they do and don't have to do and be like. And I just, I just wish sometimes we were all a little bit more all on the same page. Well, and I think that's what I thought was cute about like Nesta's quote, because like on one hand, like as you and I just discussed, you can't be everything, but you can be more than one thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think that that's a messaging that we kind of, like I said, right now, unfortunately the messaging has shifted slightly. It's no longer, I think, that we're telling everybody that they have to be, like women, they have to be everything and they have to, you know what I mean? I think we're doing a slightly better job of saying like, oh, well, like you can do both. You can you can work and stay home with your kid for a few years and then like go back to work or, you know, sure. whatever, whatever. We're doing a little bit better, you know, but unfortunately it's still very much like, but you have to pick one thing that you are viewed as and the rest of it you're just supposed to do silently. <laughs> I know. We we haven't found a way to really balance it yet. We're working <laughs> yeah. on it. Yeah. So, like, we're doing a little bit better, but we're not quite there yet. Maybe our kids' generation will figure it out, right? Yeah, you're helping. 
your daughter, my son, maybe they'll figure it out. I, I, I hope. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> my fingers are crossed. You know, they, they, they kind of go into this whole thing and, and Gwen's really questioning, well, why do I need to train? Why do I need to have muscular thighs? Why do I need to have this, that, and the other? And this is like, well, because it's good for your body. Like if you ever had to do something to defend or take care of yourself, you could. Gwen's not going to answer, but it, they walk away. They break, they, you know, kind of part ways and she, Nesta goes down and she does all of her work. And as she's leaving, she feels not, uh, Clotho looking at her. She's looking at the sign up sheet. Still nobody has signed up. She gets so frustrated and she's just kind of disappointed at this point. I mean, she has been through the emotional gamut of highs and lows in the last 24 hours that I can't, I mean, I've been there and it's not fun. And so yeah, she's, a lot. She needs a way to process it. So her way of processing it, instead of going back to her room and changing, she heads to the stairwell and she starts to descend the stairs. And she's slower and she's contemplating, you know, her her where she puts her feet and the movement. And she's, as, as it says in here, let each step downward be a thought, a piece of one of Amron's puzzles that she sifted through. Down and down she went, turning over each word and glance from Gwyn during the time Nesta had worked in the library. Step to step, she told herself with each burning, trembling movement of her legs, step to step to step. Again, she replayed the conversation. Each step was different, was a different word or emotion or ascent. Nesta was on step 2000 when she halted. She knew what she had to do. And that is the end of chapter 23. Ooh. <laughs> Woo. Okay, so you're left with a slight cliffhanger, okay, right? Where it's like, oh, she's going to do a thing. What's she going to do? Well, <laughs> chapter 24 picks up. It's a few days later. Uh, Cassian's at, <laughs> Cassian's at Clotho's desk, right? And you're like, I'm sorry. Yeah, summoned to the principal. Yeah, I'm sorry, what? Um, so <laughs> he's there and uh, Clotho's writing out a message to him. And he's, while she's doing that, he's thinking about how, you know, this place had become a sanctuary for females who'd endure such unspeakable horrors that he had always uh, been happy to carry out justice on their behalf. And it's because he felt that his mother needed a place like this. Um, obviously, that was not possible because by the time Reese had, you know, established it, she'd been gone. And, um, he kind of for a moment wonders like if Azriel's mother ever considered, you know, coming someplace like this, or if Azriel would ever have been able to convince her to, but then this whole thought process gets <laughs> pushed along because he's like, pushes this whole thought process aside. And he says to Clotho, okay, well you called me down here, you know, like what's up. And she hands him a message that says, I have asked Nesta twice now not to practice in the library and she has disregarded my request. For five days, she has blatantly ignored my commands to stop. And Cassian's like, I'm sorry, what? She's trading down here? <laughs> like, I, first of all, Clotho, I did not ask her to do that. Second of all, what? Like, what? <laughs> and she goes back to writing on the paper and he's just like trying to figure out like, what could she be doing down here? Like, I know that she's kind of enjoying training now that we're getting up to like the punching and the kicking and the all of that. But I still don't, I didn't think she, like, does she like it that much? Like, I'm confused. And Clotho writes, Nesta has practiced constantly of late. And so Cassian's like, okay, 
I, I get it, but what, like, I get, I get the words you're saying, but I don't get why it matters. Like, has she done any damage? No, but I asked her to stop and she has not. Okay. Is her work suffering for it? No, that's beside the point. And Cassian's like, Cassian's not doing that. Yeah, Cassian's doing the thing that I think parents do all the time, which is like, Clotho's gut reaction is to say no, if Nesta is doing something that's like out of the realm of what they're used to versus Cassian's right. like, okay, but is it actually a problem? And Clotho's only reaction is basically only because I told her not to. And it's like, okay, I think we're going to have to come up with more of a why than that. It's not just because I'm the parent. This one requires more information. Right. Cassian's trying to get to more of more than a, just cause I said so kind of a situation. <laughs> And he asks, you know, well, does it bother the others? And she says, well, it distracts them to see someone kicking and punching in shadows. And so Cassian's like, okay, so I guess we'll take it as maybe, maybe it does disturb the others. So I'll, I'll talk to her. And he says, I'll talk to her. Is she down there now? Um, obviously, with your permission, I'll go talk to her. Because he can't just like wander his big man body through there. You know, that could be uh, threatening. <laughs> big man body. I like that. <laughs> And Clotho thinks it over for a minute and she says, yes, I give you permission to enter. Nesta is on level five. Perhaps you shall manage to get through to her. And it's just kind of funny to me. I don't, I don't know. Clotho is an interesting character. I don't know how mad Clotho actually is about this situation as much as she just decided she needed to make Cassian aware and also wanted to vent her frustration that Nesta isn't listening to her, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I think Clotho kind of knows that this isn't actually a huge problem. It's just, you know, we probably need to, like, like, I think Clotho is aware of the fact that she and Cassian are kind of the only ones on Nesta's side right now. So it's like, hey, I think you need to be aware that she's doing a thing that's weird. And also, it might be bothering my girls, so can you handle it? <laughs> fair. Totally fair. Like, I don't necessarily think she's, like, actually that upset about it. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> he's just like, okay, well, you do know this is Nesta Archeron we're talking about. So she does nothing what? she wishes to, and she's least likely to listen to me. Uh, and they both agree that, like, she has a will of iron. And that's why I think that, like, she's not actually that mad. She just figures, like, I've done what I can do. You go do what you can do. <laughs> um, so... That's fine. Uh, Clotho does tell him, like, go, for, you're fine, you can go. Um, but she addresses him as Lord Cassian as he leaves. And he says, just Cassian. And she says, you are Lord in good deeds. It is not a title born, but earned. First of all, we have to remember she doesn't say this. She writes this. So I can only imagine how hard it is if, like, you know how, like, you can say stuff as somebody turns away from you if you're speaking? Must be really hard to do on paper. So I don't know if he's backing out of there or what. But anyway... <laughs> Not sure the logistics of this conversation, but that's okay. <laughs> um, he thanks her and he carries on to go find Nesta. Absolutely. Uh, ultimately, he does find her and he's like, wait, what? I sort of thought Clotho was just full of bullshit. Because um, he said, like, he realizes that he's like walking around along a ramp and all you'd have to do is like look over and you can see Nesta, sure enough, standing there in like almost a perfect fighting stance, throwing punches at a bookshelf. He's well, 
Yeah, she right. is- could have done something to offend her. You don't I know. know. You never know. She has set up five books as basically targets for like representing like different parts of a body. So I'm assuming two arms and like two legs and a like chest in the middle. And um, yeah, so or maybe a head and chest and I don't know. Anyway, the point is, is she set up the books in some way that, you know, is similar to what she sees in the training ring and she's throwing punches <laughs> and he's just like, huh. And when she takes a break, he he finally addresses her and says, you're still dropping your elbow. <laughs> and uh, apparently she is all ruffled. She didn't notice. She was so intently doing this. She didn't really notice he was there. And uh, so he's like, wow, she's like totally ruffled. This is like hilarious. This is like you just caught a kid doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. And she tries to argue with him that she's not, she's not dropping her elbow. And he's like, I watched you do it twice. <laughs> and she's finally like, okay, I get it. I assume that Clotho sent for you so you could come down here and yell at me. Like, I guess, I guess that is caught now. <laughs> Tell me what a bad girl I've been. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> not really, but... Yeah, I know. I get it. So he's funny. He says, before I dispense with this lecture about ignoring Clotho's request, let me just say that. And she cuts him off and she's like, show me, show me how I'm dropping my elbow. And he's like, do what? And she's like, show me. Like, and apparently there's just kind of like this awkward moment where she says this. But then she, like, looks a little nervous. She, like, swallows funny. And he, like, swallows funny because he's like, what are you talking about? And she's clearly like, no, do this. Do this right now. Right? And he can't figure out exactly what it is. But he he sees in her kind of what he thinks he's always seen in her. Like, this, this person who's, like, very persistent, uh, you know, uh, knows what she wants, is going for something. She has a goal in mind, you know, and, and it's looking, she's looking more like how he has always pictured her in his mind and less like the, you know, sad, depressed, crazy woman that he's been seeing as of late. <laughs> and so he agrees. He's like, all right, get in your fighting stance. I'll show you. <laughs> and so she does. And uh, as she's putting her arms up to, to show off her punches, he's like positioning her elbow. But before he grabs her arm, he asks like, you know, can't, you know, may I move your arm, you know? And she's yeah. odds and he does. And then he's telling her to do it slowly and they're talking through it and she's doing it. And same with like when her foot distance is a little funny, he just kind of corrects her. He doesn't like do anything weird to correct her. You know, he's not like in her bubble. And uh, there's a reason I'm making this note. Um, <laughs> and they're still talking, talking, talking. And she's starting to throw really good punches. And he says, you do that with more force and you'll shatter a male's jaw. And then he's like, do it a couple more times. I want to see, like, you know, get it in your body. Do it a few more times. And uh, she does. And he's, you know, he's like, cool. Like, yeah, if you did that against an opponent, they'd be on the ground. This is great. You know what I mean? And he's, she says, okay, then I'd make the kill, right? And he's like, yeah, a sword through the heart would finish the job. But if you struck him in the chest hard enough with that final punch, you might just collapse one of their lungs. On a battlefield, you'd opt for either a killing blow with a sword or just leave them there. Um, so he's kind of educating her because she's asking the questions, right? And so finally, he's like, all right, like, we've gone through this whole thing. Um, 
So that was great, but no more practicing in the library or Clotho's going to yell at both of us, okay? <laughs> and it's not going to be somebody she sends down here next time that you want talking to you. Yeah. I'm going to she's going to go to Reese. Right. Probably she's going to yell at us and then Reese is going to yell at us. <laughs> ding, and ding, uh, ding. she nods. She's like, okay, like, I got it. I got it. And he can't help himself because he knows she's like so close to getting this like so right that he's like okay give me one more combination though <laughs> and she does and it looks really good and he's like okay good good and uh he turns to leave he's gonna leave her to finish her work and it says he startled at what he beheld priestesses stopped along the railings on several different levels staring towards them towards nesta <laughs> and he's so like oh he he sees us gotta go yeah and he specifically sees gwen he doesn't know her but he sees her and she's looking she's got she's got she's got thinky face <laughs> her wheels be turning and he suddenly thinks about like the last five minutes and noticing these women and says to nesta your right hook was perfect this morning and she says yes he goes, but not when I watched you in the stacks. And she goes, I figured you'd correct me. And all of a sudden, he realizes exactly what he suspected. She wanted them to see the training. She wanted them to see what it was like to have him teach her. <laughs> and he just stares at her. <laughs> and she says, you can tell Clotha I don't need to practice in the library anymore. Realize, okay, this isn't going to be a problem anymore. Um, <laughs> like, I don't even need to tell Clotho. It's fine. We're all going to be fine. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Because that was her goal. She just wanted them to see what training was like. The fact that it isn't like swords and bloody and killing like you know, things or people. And what he was like and, with her. And right. And then gentle also, and respectful. Yeah, and That he's not like in her bubble, like touching her or yelling at her or, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it just... It, just showing it how it is. And so he just laughs as he leaves and says, crafty Archeron. And she actually waves as he leaves. Um, so kind of, I think like a thanks for playing in. <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> and we get a snowflake. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, in case somehow when you read this, I thought it was all very clear, but in case it wasn't after the snowflake, we get a paragraph where Nesta tells you what just happened. <laughs> yep. I yep. I personally thought was unnecessary, but I guess if you missed it, Nesta explains it again. Um, but whatever. Uh, eventually, uh, she's finishing up her, you know, like day at the library and she's saying that, you know, um, she's looking at Clotho and Clotho doesn't say anything to her one way or the other. And she figures that like, if the priestesses had gathered that like, she had basically played Clotho for this whole situation. Clotho didn't seem to care and the priestesses didn't seem to figure it out. Like, it's all good. Everybody seems <laughs> mostly fine. Um, probably. I think she's suddenly starting to think, like, is this going to backfire? <laughs> Am I about to be real hella screwed? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it, it's fine. It seems mostly fine. Um, but she does check the sheet, uh, or, uh, yeah, she, when she checks the sheet before she leaves, uh, she had hoped to see, like, a whole list of names, but 
she didn't. And Clotho actually seems a little disappointed for her. So, you know, that's okay. It's okay. We're getting there. We're getting there, guys. It's going to be okay. Everybody's going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> I just so, think it's pretty cool that Clotho is, is sad for her. Right? I know. I know. I think Clotho knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. So Nesta takes to her stairs as her, you know, daily, I don't know, workout number two. And then she comes back up, you know, like you do. <laughs> it's fine. It's what we do. This is our pattern now. And when she is now, you know, after she's done like 900 stairs, she's like, I think I'm done for the day. Not every day has to be a 2000 step day. And <laughs> she gets to her room and she is just a sweaty like disgusting mess and she's like oh thank god a book on my nightstand thanks house this is great and she grabs the book and then she reads the title and she's like wait this is not a book for me this is called the dance of battle and she's like hey house this isn't your usual romance what are you doing you can take this back i don't need this and then the book doesn't disappear and she's like wait you didn't leave this for me did you and she's talking to the house and it says, Nest appeared at the manuscript full of Cassian's scent as if he'd read it a thousand times. He'd left it for her, deemed her worthy of whatever lay inside. Nesta perched on the edge of the bed and thumbed open the text. I know. And we get a snowflake. <laughs> um, apparently... She is capable of quickly reading through anything. It doesn't have to be a smutty romance novel. Apparently, she never puts this book down. She reads it through dinner. She's just, like, reading it while she makes, you know, gets her bed ready and blah, blah, blah. Like, she just cannot stop reading this thing. And uh, actually, it makes sense. She explains why uh, this is all coming very, this makes sense to her. She's like, this is a perfect book for me. It was astonishing how much of the art of war was like the social manipulation her mother had insisted she learned. Picking battlegrounds, finding allies amongst the enemies of, of one's enemies. Some of it was wholly new, of course, and such a precise way of thinking that she knew she'd have to read the manuscript many times to fully grasp its lessons. Uh, but then she realizes like, oh, like, I, like this is a kind of like a kind of mental training and this is kind of like what my mom used to do and then it occurs to her that Cassian knows how to do all this yeah. so like he you know as much as we joke around about him being like you know a big buffoon of a bumbling idiot sometimes um and sometimes with women he is but <laughs> but actually he's incredibly smart um and she's realizing she probably hasn't given him <laughs> the credit that's due no, well, I like how she she realizes the similarities of this with what her mother was doing and teaching her. And I think the really interesting part about that is I don't think Cassie really put that part of it in. No. You know, like, I mean, that's really, truly a little glimpse of, of her childhood and how she was raised. Yeah. And I find it absolutely fascinating that it's in there. Well, I also it's, think it's intriguing. It is. And I think it does two things. It tells us kind of how, how rocky, like her upbringing due to her mother was, but then, you know, because nobody needs to be teaching small children, like battle strategy, essentially. You know what I mean? Oh, come but, on. You sure? But then on the other hand, I sort of think that similar to how like the breathing helps, the training helps, the being physical helps in a way, being able to reframe everything that her mother made her learn in this way 
is going to help her heal moving forward because she's going to realize that as much as she wanted to fight against what her mother had taught her and like this horrible person her mother had made her out to be in a way her mother had made her a very good uh mate for cassian you know what i mean her mother actually made her incredibly um (laughs) perfect for how where she's ended up you know what i mean because one of the things her mother taught her and most people I mean, if you really watch, if you're really into the Regency stuff and you really watch things like Bridgerton or if you've seen sure. the Jane Austen, you really do realize that there's a strategy to court. Yes. Um, Absolutely. There's a strategy to, I mean, it, it just shows up in any book where you're dealing with monarchs, especially in yeah. historical times, that, you know, people in court may be friends with people, but they're not really friends and they'll do whatever they have to to gain favor and move forward and that's what her mother had been teaching her and she is able to see how she can apply what her mother taught her to what this book is telling her from a battle slash fighting perspective well exactly i think it makes it it's funny because it's it's um i don't think it's played up as well but it makes it uh clear that like her upbringing and her past makes her like i said this is the perfect place for her cassie is for her they're going to be able to communicate well similar to why Feyre, as much as it's like oh it's horrible Feyre had to like go out hunting at 15 well thank god or she never would have survived the trials Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that making a 15-year-old hunt for their family is a good thing, but in her case, it gave her something she needed, and same here. I'm not saying their abusive, ridiculous mother was a good thing, but for Nesta, it's now given her a way of thinking that somebody in this group freaking needs. You know what I mean? Absolutely. (laughs) So I think it's about, like, reframing that and pulling from, you know, obviously she's had a traumatic upbringing and she's got some stuff to work through but it's being able to reframe some of that as a plus instead of only a negative yeah i would agree with that i would totally agree with that so i thought that was like i said i think we kind of see that clearer in like favors growth and akatar than maybe we see it here i don't know we haven't finished the book but like i think that this is planting seeds for that <laughs> maybe <laughs> anyway um she's thinking through the book and through this whole training you know trying to get the women just you know the priestesses to see it for what it was and hoping that there had been somebody sign up and then there wasn't she's thinking through it all and finally she goes did it matter if the priestesses didn't show up for training beyond her own reluctance to conceive failure did it matter and she decides it does she doesn't really know why but somehow it does And then she kind of goes into her little dark, sad, disparity hole for a minute where she thinks she had failed in every aspect of her life, utterly and spectacularly failed and and keeping others from realizing it had been her main purpose. She had shut them out, had shut herself out because she weighed all of those failures threatened to shatter. The weight of all of those failures threatened to shatter her into a thousand pieces. And I was like, As somebody with like a perfectionist streak and a people pleasing streak, I feel that. Oh boy, do I! Like, oof, same girl, same. Yes. It's <laughs> and unfortunately, hard. unfortunately, like one does. And have I done this to myself like twice this week? Yes, I have. She has this thought right before bed, and now she can't fucking sleep. Yeah, same bitch. Same. <laughs> oof. 
Boy, do we both know that one, huh? <laughs> and then we get a snowflake. And we're back at the library. And she's like, I just, I can't. I can't go look at that sheet. I'll, I'm not doing it to myself today. Like, fuck that sheet. <laughs> but as she's going, like, past Clotho, Clotho puts her hand up. And Nesta's like, what? And Clotho points. And she's pointing to where the sign-up sheet is. And when Nesta turns around, she sees a name had been scrawled on the sheet. One name in bold letters, one name ready for tomorrow's lesson, Gwen. And that's the end of the chapter and the end of part one. I'm so excited. I'm so excited that Gwen's gonna train. I'm excited she's going to train. I'm excited that we've gotten through all of this part of it. Oh, so good. So good. I'm super excited. I'm, I'm excited that we finally got the recording done. <laughs> okay, Kim, how many tries was this? This was, I know we had at least, okay, well, the first day I only counted as one failed attempt, but we tried like four different times that day. And yeah. then there was the second day we attempted and that one failed. And I think we only tried like once and then failed. And then there was, was the, twice. Was twice. And then there was like the third attempt and some of that took, but like we didn't get to finish because it took so long to get the part that took to take. And so we're on like day four of trying to record this, but I think we're on attempt like seven or eight. Yeah. So, so thank you guys for sticking with us. You yeah. have no idea the drama we've been through to get to this point. Yeah, you really don't. But we love yous, and we got songs for yous, so Kim, hit us with the Hit you with some songs? Well, I don't know if I want to hit you, but I'll put them out there for everybody. How's that? Okay, okay, that's fair. So, I had some fun. I'm not going to lie. I will tell you all this right now. The bulk of these songs focus on the sexy times. Well, sure. So, I mean, that was the bulk of the hilarity of this, so it needed the most songs. <laughs> Yeah, and if you have songs after this that you want to suggest, maybe for the parts that aren't the sexy times, knock yourselves out. Let us know. Tell us on you know social, message us, email us, put it in our Discord. I'd love to hear it because honestly, at some point, my poor brain just kind of went, I can't do this anymore. Um, so, in no particular order, and without further ado, here we go. Song one is Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart. I hope you all know. I do think they're sexy. <laughs> I, I hope we all know what that's in reference to, but it has to do with, you know, the very beginning of all this, you know, in the stairwell. And then song two is Do You Want to Touch Me? Oh, yeah, by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. And it follows right on the heels of the other because let's face it they they kind of get a little handsy a little bit at least nesta does um song three is i want you now by depeche mode mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. song four is this kiss by faith hill i hope we all know where i'm going with all of this <laughs> if i have to keep explaining it i'm gonna be worried you guys uh, song five is A Hundred Wishes by Lorena McKennett. It goes more back to the whole with the baby and Vera's announcement and yeah. just kind of hopes for the future. Um, song six is I Do Anything for Love 
but I won't do that by meatloaf. Apparently it's, but I won't actually have a relationship with you. <laughs> I won't actually acknowledge my real feelings. I will just, we will just beat around the bush. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's that, but it's also it has to do with Nesta deciding she's not going to let Elaine put herself out there and endanger in light of everything going on. It's it's a struggle for her, but she's just not going to. So you go. Song seven is Wreck Havoc by Skylar Gray. Um, I, I, I would say take your pick of where you want this one to kind of go. It, it's very fitting in several parts of this little section. Because um, I would say Nesta and Cassian's actions with one another are wrecking havoc with each other. Uh, Feyre's announcement of being pregnant is definitely wrecking some havoc on the whole group, good and bad. Uh, song eight is Fight Song by Rachel Platten. And I really kind of think it fits where Nesta is and the fact that she gets the idea to put the sign-up sheet up and that she keeps fighting to get somebody to do it and it finally worked. Right. And I, I just think it's just an appropriate song. Um, Song 12 is I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany. <laughs> I think it kind of goes with our sexy times. With Nesta and Cassian. Is Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC. And I would say that that is best fit with um, Cassian's unplanned visit to, uh, yeah. to Nesta's bedroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the next two are from, from Kelsey. Um, I, I, I have the training montage from Mulan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the whole training bit, because, well, thank you, Kelsey. If you guys don't know it, I, I don't know what to tell you guys, like, really. And the last song is Take Me to Church by Hozier <laughs> for, well. Okay, I, I just want to point out that, yeah, okay, that per is perfect, right? The Hozier version is perfect for Cassian um I, or I don't have her name ready oh I can probably find it but there is a cover of the song that a female artist that I really liked did and I feel like that could like work for Nesta well there you go Cassian too um of course am I gonna come up with her name let's see uh because I listened to it enough Sophia Carlberg okay so we'll put those we'll put that into the the show notes and go for it yeah I actually almost like her cover it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah. So those are our songs. Um, and you can find us on all the things. You can chat with us in the Discord. Shout out to Molly for some amazing analysis. Now it was like two weeks ago, but I swear to God, when we tried to record this the first time, it had like just happened like the day of. Um, <laughs> but True. Molly posted this like really great like couple of paragraph like analysis of the sisters and like yes. order and the Elaine versus Nesta stuff because we've kind of talked about that in one of the earlier episodes and um it's just it's really good if you want to go read that uh we really appreciated it and I think she uh had some good points and uh let's see what else uh I had I don't know if I ever even posted it. I keep telling you to go read my fan fictions on our website, but I'm pretty sure I only posted the first one, which means I should probably post the second one. Maybe the second one's there. I don't know. I'm working on it. I thought we did post the second one. I don't 
know. Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. But the point is, is I'm working on a third one. Uh, so if Lucian is your thing, uh, go read them on our website, which is massivefansbookclub.com. And uh, yeah, there's that. Um, and then you can find us on all the socials and like us and tag us and you know, share funny stuff with us uh, on Facebook. It's a uh, Massive Fans Book Club and Podcast. Twitter, it's Massive Podcast. Instagram, it's Massive Fans Podcast. Pinterest, it's Massive Fans. And TikTok is Massive Fan Pod. I did just post a TikTok the other day for the first time in like six months. Uh, and it was just me and Kim being mad about recording because it kept failing us. <laughs> yes. And it was hysterical. As always, the Discord link is in our show notes. Mm, I think that's it. I think you're right. But thank you guys for sticking with us and hanging out and getting through. And God, how did it get to be March? Jesus, I don't know. We're almost on year two. Like, we've almost completed two full years of the podcast. And I can't even. So anyway, uh, before I get all teary-eyed and confused. Okay, bye. Bye.